You're listening to Comedy Central. Yo, what's going on, everybody? I've been told that apparently today is Monday, so that means it's time for another episode of the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are now officially in week six of us staying inside to try and prevent the spread of coronavirus. And it's not just the start of week six. Today's a special day. It's also 420, yeah. So here's your 420 quarantine tip of the day. If you've run out of weed to smoke, just wear your mask really tight until you get dizzy. Or even better, just turn on the news and watch it for 24 hours. Then you'll feel just as paranoid and confused as you would if you hit a really fat blunt. Anyway, on tonight's episode, we learn how dogs can help us defeat corona, big businesses are taking small business money, and President Trump supports your right to get all of us killed. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. If you've reached the point in quarantine where you're arguing about what your last argument was about, you probably need something to cheer you up. And the best way to keep our spirits up is with a little ray of sunshine. From the beginning of time, dogs have been a man's best friend. They give us companionship, they assist the blind, and they don't make fun of us. Even though they've seen how bad we are at sex, we do it the wrong way. Well, now, dogs might be coming to the rescue again. You see, dogs can be trained to detect diseases like cancer and Parkinson's in patients because of the way those diseases subtly change a person's body odor. Yeah, and now, researchers in Britain are attempting to do the same thing with coronavirus. And I mean, if you can still smell coronavirus even after nobody has showered for like three days, consider me impressed. But that just shows you how amazing animals are. Your dog can tell you if you have corona and then your cat will be there to eat your body after you die. And in some good news for students, San Francisco's school district is now proposing that every student should just get an A because it's unfair for them to fail due to corona. And I think this is a great idea because online learning is already such a challenge, right? One, many students don't have broadband at home. And two, it is harder for teachers to keep track of how their students are doing. And three, sex ed is a hundred times more awkward when your parents are sitting in the same room. Sorry, son, could you ask about the location of the clit- clitoris again? I, I missed that part. Could you ask that again? In other news, while some schools in America might be throwing their hands up, schools in the UK just signed a big name, Sir David Attenborough. White peoples, Morgan Freeman, and the last thing a gazelle hears before being eaten by a lion. It has been announced that Attenborough will begin teaching geography and nature classes as part of the BBC's virtual learning program. And this is amazing. Can you imagine being a kid and your teacher's David Attenborough? Although I will warn all the kids out there, thanks to coronavirus, David Attenborough sees the animal world a little differently now. And here we have the bat. Look at him, acting all innocent like he didn't do shit. Thanks to them, I can't even get the mail without dressing up like a broke-ass ninja. That's right, you better stay in that cave, bitch. All right, that's your ray of sunshine. Let's jump straight into the headlines. All right, let's kick it off with some economic news. With travel worldwide ground to a halt, demand for oil has collapsed, which has now caused oil prices to plummet to their lowest levels in history. That's right. Oil is cheaper than it has ever been. 
So the next time you go to the gas station, forget the gas tank, you can fill up the entire backseat of your car too. In fact, the price of oil dropped so much today that right now, the cost of one barrel is negative $37, which means it's a real weird time to be an oil baron in America right now. Even that Daniel Day-Lewis character is like, you know what? You drink my milkshake. Basically, there's so much oil right now that there's no way left to store it. So they're just paying people to take it off their hands. It's essentially how we're all gonna feel in a few months about all that toilet paper we hoarded. Someone, please, please take this toilet paper from me, please. My family has nowhere to sleep. Meanwhile, here in New York, Mayor Bill de Blasio has announced a phone number where you can text photos of people who are violating social distancing rules. Snitch, yeah. Basically, you text the number and then the police come and break up whatever's happening. In some cases, they even make arrests. So if people are hanging out in a group, the police show up and then they disperse the people. Which means right now, all over New York, white women are like, hello, Verizon, I'm gonna need an unlimited data plan. I'm gonna need all the data, all the data you have. I'm coming for everyone. All right, and finally, you may have heard that the $350 billion relief fund for small businesses quickly ran out of money just before most businesses could get their loans. Well, now we're finding out why the money dried up so fast. It turns out a lot of those loans were claimed by businesses that are, uh, how do we say it, not actually small. Yeah, for instance, places like Shake Shack and Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, which each have hundreds of locations around the country, took tens of millions of dollars from the Small Business Fund. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm not surprised that Ruth's Chris would take extra money. I mean, they've been taking extra names for years. Meanwhile, Harvard University is also coming under fire because even though they have a $41 billion endowment fund, they still decided to take $9 million from the relief package. Yeah, $9 million. Last time Harvard got that much money out of the blue, they had to accept Jared Kushner. Look, if you ask me, Harvard is just being greedy right now. Can't take $9 million when you have 41 billion. It's like Jussie Smollett joining the WWE. Dude, haven't you had enough fake ass whippings for a lifetime? Give it to somebody else for a change, man. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our big story. Over the weekend, America surpassed 40,000 confirmed coronavirus deaths and 750,000 confirmed infections. And because of that, most of us have accepted that as painful as it is, we need to stay at home a little longer until we can get those numbers under control. But it turns out there's a different group of people around the country who are saying, nah, how can we get those numbers to go up? Protests erupting coast to coast with calls to end stay-at-home orders. Thousands lining the streets of Wisconsin, rallying cries from Washington to Colorado to Maryland. Fired up protesters converging on downtown Huntington Beach today, holding up signs proclaiming social distancing equals communism and COVID-19 is a lie. We Hundreds of people crowded in front of the governor's residence in Indiana. Who has the right to tell me I can't get a haircut? I can't go here, I can't go there. While in Texas, dozens chanted, fire Fauci. Fire Fauci, Fauci. Seriously? Fire Fauci? So instead of fighting the virus, they want to get rid of the one guy who's warning us about the virus? America is lucky these same people weren't around when Paul Revere was riding into town. The British are coming! The British are coming! Ugh, I hate the British. Someone shut that guy up. But yes, all around the country, over the weekend, 
protests popped up, demanding an immediate end to lockdowns. And let's be honest, people, this is both insane and counterproductive. Because the more you gather in groups, the longer the lockdown will have to go on. Can you imagine if during the AIDS crisis, mobs of people gathered to gangbang that monkey that started it all? What do we want? Monkey sex! When do we want it? Now! Now, these protests have clearly been infused with a far-right ideology. Many demonstrators wore MAGA hats, they held up anti-Semitic signs, and in Michigan, they even waved Confederate flags, a clear symbol of Michigan's proud Southern heritage. But it's not just fringe right-wing groups who have been stoking the flames. It's also mainstream right-wing groups, like Fox News. You see, after Dr. Fauci appeared on the network and made the case for continuing the shutdowns, Fox News decided to get a second opinion from a doctor everyone can trust. Talk show host Dr. Dr. Phil McGraw appearing on Fox News, blasting the government's response, appearing to downplay the pandemic. Look, the fact of the matter is we have people dying, 45,000 people a year die from automobile accidents, 480,000 from cigarettes, 360,000 a year from swimming pools, but we don't shut the country down for that. But yet we're doing it for this and the fallout is going to last for years because people's lives are being destroyed. Well, let me tell you something, Dr. Phil. Your entire argument is a bunch of horse hooey. Your 360,000 swimming pool deaths is off by about 357,000. And also, swimming pools are not like a virus. You're not gonna drown because your dang neighbor swam in his pool. The worst thing you'll get is a case of FOMO. Now, it would be a lot easier to not take these protests seriously if they were just being fueled by Fox News, and internet conspiracy theories. The problem is that all of these morons also have the support of the moron in chief. President Trump is praising stay-at-home protesters who are defying social distancing measures. The president defending the demonstrators after tweeting last week that states led by Democratic governors like Michigan, hard hit by COVID-19, should be liberated. These are great people. They've got cap and fever. They want to get back. They want their life back. Their life was taken away from them. Yes, people are suffering from cabin fever. And honestly, I can't think of any disease right now that could be worse than that. You know, Trump talks about cabin fever like it's an actual illness. This cabin fever, one of the worst outbreaks we've ever had. Even worse than that disease from the 70s, disco fever. It was so hard staying alive, staying alive. I, I, I was just trying to stay alive. You know, we're almost used to Trump drumming up outrage for his own political benefit. We're used to that. This is what Trump does. But what makes what he's doing now particularly vile is that on Thursday, on Thursday, he announced guidelines for when states should open back up. And then he spends the rest of the weekend urging his followers to fight back against the same guidelines that he released, which is insane. It's like Trump is a head coach who told his team to kick a field goal, but now he's on the sidelines heckling them for doing it. Boo, what a bunch of losers. You should have gone for the touchdown. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I told you to do it, but that's not the point. Now, despite how enraging this might be, I want you to remember this. The silver lining in all of this is that these protesters are a tiny minority. And we know this because recent polls have shown that big majorities of Americans support stay-at-home orders. And in fact, 
are more concerned about the economy being opened up again too soon. So the question is, when so many people appreciate how important this fight is, how do these people not seem to get it? Well, luckily for us, Sir David Attenborough has agreed to study these strange life forms to help the rest of us understand. And here we see natural selection in its purest form. A group of morons crowded together, spitting in each other's faces as they demand the right to get a haircut. Even for the coronavirus, this is too easy. Man, I can't wait to binge that show. When we come back, I'll be speaking to New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and NBA All-Star Steph Curry. So stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke to New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy about how his state is handling getting hit with the second highest number of cases in the United States. Governor Phil Murphy, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Honored to be with you, Trevor. Let's jump straight into it. You are one of the hottest working governors in America right now because of what the coronavirus has done to your state. New Jersey is experiencing one of the largest outbreaks in the country. First things first, do you know why or or has there been any discovery as to why New Jersey was hit so hard? Was it because of proximity to New York or was there another reason? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons, Trevor. Number one, we're part of the Metro New York reality, particularly in our Northern part of the state. So if you look at the six counties, that have been hit the hardest in New Jersey. They're all commuting counties into New York. And I think secondly, it has to be said that we're the densest state in America. So this thing, once it got going, it spread in particular in those counties, but now in every county in our state like wildfire. And I think it's a combination of both of those. The White House reported recently that New Jersey is one of the places where the coronavirus is under control and the numbers are starting to decline. So my first question to you would be, is that true? And then if so, what is the what is the game plan for reopening the states? I mean, nobody wants to rush, but everybody understands that at some point, normal life or a semblance of normal life has to resume. You bet. So our mantra is personal health leads to economic health in that order. Uh, I would say it's better than it was a week ago without question, but the house is still on fire. We got to plateau and then drive that curve down the other side. So we're not there yet. Uh, and, and we're going to have to continue fighting this fire before we can we can responsibly re- reopen. Could we see that sort of a month from now? Could we be in a, you know, a, a meaningfully different and better place? I, I hope, uh, uh, I hope, but we got to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. You, you, you are preparing um, for both scenarios. You've also teamed up with a group of other governors on the East Coast to try and manage this collectively, because as we've seen, it moves from state to state, and so people need to try and work together to to confront the virus. What are your benchmarks for reopening the states? What are you hoping to achieve before New Jersey can go back to being a a functional state? You have sort of three rings of responsibility here. You gotta do what's right for your own state, that's job number one. But because again, we're the densest part of the country, doing it in concert or at least in harmony with your neighboring states is is incredibly important. And then thirdly is the piece you got to do it with a very robust federal presence and federal partnership. And that's something that we uh, continue to also need. So this is not either or, it's and both. Uh, the, the experts will suggest that at a minimum, 
we need probably two or three times the amount of testing every day that we're currently doing. So instead of seven to 9,000 a day, you know, you're talking 15, 20, 25,000 tests a day. They've got to be rapid turnaround. So they can't be tests where you're waiting seven days for your result. But you know within a day that you've got, as you rightfully suggest, a contract contact tracing protocol in place. We're, we're, we're formulating that both in New Jersey as well as in the region and with our federal partners. So it's all of those elements that uh, are works in progress right now, uh, hopefully sooner than later, but we're not there yet on any of the above. You've spoken um, quite extensively about how many people are struggling um, you know, to get food, how many people are struggling to pay for their rent, for their house, for anything to sustain themselves in, lives, in life, and um, how much the state of New Jersey still needs. Is there a part of you that's concerned as a governor that if you get to a tipping point, the people will no longer want to listen because they cannot afford to listen to the stay-at-home orders that the governor issues? Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, so far, so good. I'm finding some wood to knock on here, Trevor. Here we go. Uh, So far, so good. The compliance, we have 9 million people in New Jersey. The compliance has been extraordinary. There are always exceptions. There are going to be knuckleheads out there, as we call them, who do stupid things. But overwhelmingly, people are doing the right thing. But to mm-hmm. your very good mm-hmm. question, there's economic pain. Folks have lost their jobs in, at historic, never-before-seen levels. Small businesses are on the rocks, if not busted completely. Uh, the weather's getting better. Uh, kids have been homeschooling by remote uh, Uh, learning for X number of weeks. And we've said it's going to go on for at least several, several more weeks. So my big plea is anybody watching from New Jersey, but I would say from America right now, less told otherwise, please God, stay with it. Stay the course. Uh, We know it's frustrating. We know it's folks have cabin fever. We completely get that. We understand it completely, but we also understand the only way we beat this damn thing is if we stay home, stay away from each other, crush that curve, and then from that personal health can economic health finally come. Thank you so much for your time today, Governor. Um, I appreciate your answers, and um, I'm hoping that you're right. I hope the knuckleheads um, listen to the voice of reason, and hopefully we see this thing on the other side. Thanks for having me, Trevor. When we come back, I'll be talking to NBA superstar Steph Curry. So stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I got the chance to speak with Steph Curry, the all-star point guard for the Golden State Warriors, who has an organization that is helping kids who are affected by the coronavirus. Uh, Steph Curry, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I appreciate it, man. Uh, before we get into the work that you're doing, I'm sure everybody wants to know if they're a fan of the NBA, what, what, what are you doing right now? Are you, are you training? Are you preparing? Are you just playing 2K? What are you doing? <laughs> well, it's crazy. I ain't seen a video game controller since I had kids, so that's a little different. I can't resort back to that, but uh, for the most part, it's riding a bike. I do have a, a gym in my house, so uh, I can get on the bike. I can do some weights, but no... No actual like basketball court. I got a little hoop that at least I can get the ball in my hand, get some shots up, but it doesn't simulate anything that I'm used to. So um, just riding it out like 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 everybody else, man. You know, you've always been uh, on the front lines of getting food to people who need it, getting um, equipment to kids who need it in schools, helping kids out with with um, with uh, sports programs, etc. As soon as coronavirus hit, we saw Steph Curry in a way we've never seen him before. You came out in full force with your foundation and yourself and your, wa- and your wife, Aisha, said, you know what, we're going to help the kids. Tell us a little bit about what, what your foundation is doing right now. 
there's a lot of food insecurity uh, right in our backyard. And so, uh, like you said, myself and uh, especially my wife, uh, you know, we wanted to really formalize a strategy around how we can really, you know, amplify that impact. And so a year ago, we started our Eat, Learn, Play Foundation and uh, I've been working really hard to get it off the ground and running and, and, and get to work. Um, not knowing that obviously, you know, coronavirus would hit and that would only just exaggerate the, the need um, at, the, at, at the base level from, you know, just having uh, proper supplies for food, uh, especially when the school systems uh, shut down out here, the Oakland Unified School District. You don't realize how many kids rely on uh, right. the school system for, you know, their meals uh, throughout the week. And so. Thankfully, we had a foundation set up that uh, once, you know, coronavirus hit and we saw the need that we were already working on, uh, you know, Amplify, uh, it was uh, it was awesome to be able to kind of engage right away. And so many people helped us. We have an amazing team. We have an amazing support out here. But uh, there's so many kids in need. And we've uh, now provided over a million meals so far. And, and as we wow. know, as this virus continues, that need is only going to continue to grow. So there's still more work to be done and more awareness um, and support that's that's necessary, but uh, just grateful to be able in a position to be able to help right away um, in, a, in a meaningful way. You, your organization was, was all about helping the kids before the virus hit. Um, you've always wanted to do something in a meaningful way, as you said, but you've had to pivot really quickly to the new situation with coronavirus, you know, um, because you can't be in the schools the same way you were before. The kids aren't coming to the schools in the same way they were, they were before. So what has your organization done to shift its, its um, you know, its, its, its attack program, getting the food to the kids as opposed to the kids coming to get the food, um, getting the right people to get the food to them while still uh, maintaining their health. What, what have you been forced to do? Absolutely, like you said, you had to reimagine uh, the process. Um, with restaurants closing down, with schools closing down, um, all the infrastructure is kind of interrupted. And so from, from our standpoint, uh, we really uh, want, we partnered with the uh, Alameda County Community Food Bank and uh, they stepped up in a meaningful way to open up distribution centers uh, so that those meals could be accessible to all the kids uh, and families uh, in, in the greater Oakland Bay area. So uh, from week one or two, uh, around you know the third week of March to now, uh, it was uh, around two or three drop-off centers. Now we're up to 20. And with Jose Andres in the World Central Kitchen, uh, they're stepping in to try to reopen restaurants to add, to serve as distribution centers. Um, and that obviously provides a lot of different benefits. We're, we're getting food and meals where they need to be. Uh, people know where to go to get the meals. Um, but on top of that, you, you need a workforce and, and uh, a manpower to, to do that. And so for the restaurants that we can uh, engage with, that creates jobs. And so, like you said, nothing that you do is, is by yourself. We just happen to be in an amazing position to be able to connect the dots. Food insecurities have been happening for forever. There's <laughs> so systematic right. things that we're trying to deal with and, and just the history of that. But with the virus, it only, uh, you know, it exacerbates that for sure. Now, um, on the one hand, you're, you're, you're trying to keep in shape for the NBA. On the other hand, you're working to feed as many kids as possible um, who have now been thrust into the, uh, the worst situation possible because of coronavirus. And then there's the side of you that a lot of people forget, but then are reminded of, you know, if we're on your social media, if you know uh, Steph Curry, and that is you're a dad. So you have kids at home, kids are out of school right now, but they need to learn from home. What is, what is the best and worst part of teaching your own kids throughout this crisis? The best part is you just get to, uh, 
those little moments where you just smile and just look at your kid like, you know, this is amazing. I remember when you came out the womb and now you're, you know, solving, you know, addition and subtraction problems on your own and like right. get practice right, right. when you do it. So I'm just, you know, standing by on the side, just, you know, beaming with pride on that front. Uh, the worst part is any seven-year-old, my oldest daughter seven, any seven-year-old that, you know, is used to a certain routine, um, and now has to stare at a computer and try to, you know, keep their focus, uh, especially in today's age. That's where uh, it tests it tests me as a dad and as a as a, a teacher. My daughter gave me three stars as a uh, secondary, a secondary <laughs> teacher. So I got some uh, <laughs> I got some room for improvement. Let's put it that way. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, we're still gonna have a little more time. So when you get back to the NBA, it'll be teacher, philanthropist, and NBA All-Star. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for taking the time. If people want to help you out, though, um, where can they go and what can they look out for? Our eLearnPlayFoundation.org is, is our website where you can donate and, and understand exactly the work that we're doing. Um, and then uh, I know you have Dr. Fauci on, on your program, and uh, I'm not a doctor, but I got to be a, a, a reporter for uh, about 30 minutes and ask him some, some questions. But uh, on uh, SC30.com, there's a kind of a breakdown of all of our conversations and things where you can get some facts. We all need facts and we all need an understanding of what's really happening and how we all right. can, can do our part. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Look after yourself. Appreciate you, Trevor. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, if you are able to help people who are going hungry because of this pandemic, please consider a donation to Feeding America. They're supplying food to millions of people in America every single day, and they could use your help because even a dollar can help someone get a meal. Until we meet again, stay safe out there, wash your hands, and remember to mute your mic before talking shit on Zoom. Otherwise, the other people know who you really are. I'll see you all tomorrow. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.